Welcome to MBA in a Day, a brief, deep, and easy to understand place to get and apply important business concepts and principles, the same that are taught in top tier MBA programs. I'm Professor Strausser, and in the 25 years that I've been teaching in elite MBA programs, I've noticed how many doctors, attorneys, engineers, scientists, folks that are already well educated, already smart, but may not have had the kind of business training that they need to be successful in their business or practice. So whether you're listening to this in your car, while commuting to or from work, on the beach, or just want to learn about business, let's get started with this episode's exploration of critical business concepts. How many of you have worked in a family business, a family business? So a lot of you. Okay, so... Tell us about it um, a little bit. Basically, my parents, well, my parents owned the batting cage. Pretty much the employees were just my parents, and then me and my sister helped out. And okay. And we had some um, hitting instructors, catching instructors, pitching instructors. So, I mean. Yeah. yeah. Were they all, like, contract people? Most of them. Uh, most of them that were ASU softball players, mm-hmm. the instructors. Um, and then there were some for pitching and catching specifically. And then. A lot of the uh, hitting instructors were like coaches okay. um, from different club teams around the valley. And stuff. Yeah. Um, and is this, the company still going? No. Okay. Uh, so we sold it. And okay. And then whoever we sold it to. Okay. Did you work in it from a little kid? Um, yeah. When I was a freshman in high school. Okay. Until my, like, I was Okay. Who else had their hands up? Yep. Uh, so my parents had a wind generator company. So they would resell solar, but then they manufactured like small wind generators for local homes. Oh, cool. Well, not local. They sold them online as well. But anyway, it was a disaster. They did it for quite a few years, but they just yeah. had to close it eventually. <laughs> so. And how many people involved in the business? Uh, well, my brothers, my dad, and my mom. So, so it was totally family. Six, yeah. Six, okay. All right. Anybody else? You had your hand up? Yeah, I just worked at Josephine's here in town. Oh, the restaurant? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's family run. Um, so it was a husband and wife, and their son would work there, too. And then they had, like, a few other employees as well. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Yep. Uh, my mom was a real estate agent and her own broker, so... Okay. Just basically just the assistantships in the summer. Yeah, yeah. From the time I graduated until. Okay, yeah. I worked for a summer and I went to Uh huh. And it was, you know, they ran it, but there was other employees and I worked for family there. Yeah. Um, I did like administrative work for them. Okay, so, you know, based on your kind of firsthand experience, and our cases are about this, you know, family business scenario. What do you see as the differences? What did you notice that was different about working in a family business than just a regular job if you're working for somebody else? What, what do you think were the dynamics? It's probably hard to fire your family members. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So okay. So uh, some of the differences might be meritocracy in other words sometimes people aren't performing but they still keep their job yep um it's hard to find like a line of succession in okay there's a lot of dispute succession itself isn't that different 
in a family business. I mean, every business has to think about succession. But the decision-making becomes much trickier, much more fraught with emotion and stuff. You don't want to downgrade your uh, reputation in family business. You don't want to downgrade your reputation. So, uh, so I guess what I'm hearing is that uh, what's really important is <coughs> your reputation. That um, rep reputation. Uh, it's family name associated with it. equals the business. So they're overlapped. And so if there's a knock on the business, it's a knock on the family. So there's a lot more riding on the business. Yeah. So this is talking about like what happened in the case. Mm -hmm. right? One thing that I find interesting that's probably really hard to deal with is all the people that are in power now want to give their succession to their children. But half of those kids probably don't want anything to do with this company. Mm -hmm. It's going to be kind of rough to get them to transition into that sector. Sure. Okay. Well, let, let's, let's segue into the case then if that, with that oh, thought. Oh, I have one more thing about yeah. the Maritime. Well, kind of like that is I know when I worked at my aunt's and uncle's insurance agency, I asked for, like, feedback, like critical feedback where I can improve, and they were kind of hesitant. Because I was mm -hmm. in my niece. They didn't want to be, like, cruel to me. Like, <clears throat> yeah. you need to do this. So I think that kind of goes in. So, yeah, it's very tough to have objectivity and even transparency in a in a family business. So, so let's dive into the case. Um, what it, I mean, obviously, this is not a case where you really had to solve a problem or identify a problem and fix it. It was just sort of a scenario of a family kind of contemplating a transfer of um, responsibilities in the firm. So why do you think the case is even important? I mean, what did it, what did it point out to you as some things that make family businesses maybe different when you're advising them. So we're in a consulting uh, class. So when we consult with a business that's a family business, I think this case helps us figure it, you know, take a perspective on what's different and what's important. Yep. Well, I think because after reading it with all the, the kids, I was like, none of them should be in this business. None <laughs> of them have any experience. Right. They don't even seem interested, but they feel entitled to have ownership. Right. And but going back to the family, you have to be careful about the recommendations you give. Like, mm -hmm. You want to be like, okay, your kids downright should not operate this business. They're probably going to run it to the ground if they do. But then you don't want to give them false. Like, you want to be like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, give it to them. You kind of have to find a middle ground, but be very careful about it. Right. Okay. So you are, um, as a consultant in the family business, you are really dealing with some extra sensitivities. Help me with your suggestion. Let's say after you're done with your MBA and you decide that you really in, are interested in family business 
as a uh, consulting setting. And there are some really successful family business consultants that do very well. In addition to your MBA, what kind of background do you think you would need you sh- or you would be desirable besides having an MBA to be an advisor to a family business? What, what just based on this um, case, what do you think you would need? You'd probably have to have like, a larger family. Have your own? Yeah. Like, okay. Well, I mean, not your own, but like, if you grew up with like a lot of siblings and so have, have some experience with your cousins and stuff like that to be able to understand the values and stuff that you okay. that they find important to keep within the family. Okay. Uh, so large family experience. Or just even like a good family experience, or like just you know, or a, some family experience. Yeah, some family experience. <laughs> If you're an only child. Yeah. Well, so does that mean if you're an orphan, you couldn't be a uh, no. family? No. That's why I was like trying to find a better wording. Okay. 100%. All right. Yeah, what else? What else do you need? I think you would have to have like a degree or experience in counseling or psychology. Bingo. Yep. Yeah. Because you're dealing with more than just business issues. You're like consulting for family issues as well. And I feel like you need some sort of like social background for that. A lot of the most successful family business consultants have degrees in um, religion and um, uh, philosophy. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, why, why do you think these non-business... <laughs> kinds of perspectives are important in a family business. Yeah. Probably because they're not just like focused on like, oh, this has to work for the business only. They're thinking, okay, well, this has to also work for the family. And like the relationships like between the family members are very important to keeping the business running. Right. And, and because the, um, the dynamics are... They're business, but they just are loaded with all of these other things that somebody with a psych degree, somebody with a philosophy degree, somebody come from a seminary, that kind of thing. The ministry becomes very, very important. Um, Somebody had their hand up. You wanted to add something? Yeah. I was just going to say, could I have like a, or give a, uh, different or have a different perspective on how a business should operate and how they think less quantitatively and more um, more about like their values and what they can create using like their knowledge for creativity. So um, yeah, I'm just thinking in a different sense. Yeah, and really when you look at the, again you look at the successful family business consultants. They are usually flipped the other way uh, so that the business is less of a competency. Um, it has to be there, but it's really upside down, and uh, the top of the pyramid is more, more of this stuff. Um, so why do you think this family brought in a consultant, brought in this group? What? 
think it has to deal with the generational gap. I mean, every generation thinks that the next generation is just awful. Um, and I mean, while it is kind of the case in this situation, yeah. I think they do need to... They the You can see that the second generation and first generation really do care about this business. Mm-hmm. They want it to succeed, but they also want to leave their legacy with their children. Yeah. It's kind of hard for them to decide how it's best to continue this within that, whether that be not having any of these kids have a part of it and they just take a paycheck from it and yeah. doing what they're doing. Because, I mean, everything they talk about in here is like this, uh, they, uh, what was it, they never worked. They just let the business work for them, mm-hmm. for a generation. Right. So I think it's hard for them to turn over this company to right. people who have no experience. Okay. All right. I think the consultants almost act as a mediator as well. It's easier to like swallow a pill from someone else, right? Right. That's probably a right analogy, but it is. I mean, yeah. Well, to learn. well yeah. The 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 consultant, um, you know, brings this sense of objectivity and credibility, um, and it's easier on the uh, older generation for the consultant to say these things than for the older generation to say it. Um, it makes Thanksgiving dinner maybe a little bit more comfortable. So um, are there any other factors besides the kids not really being involved in the business that you think might come to play in this case? Um, the, what's her name? The one lady, like the middle sister. Uh, yeah, uh, she, she does like all of the, more or less she has like a really big role in the business. But she doesn't seem to want more like share than anyone else, or it's all pretty much breaking up. And I think that's going to be a problem if they do transition it to the kids, kind of doing a separation of duties and seeing who's going to do what within the business. Well, yeah, and and for sure, um, there needs to be some um, sorting out uh, among all these kids about. You know, who's going to do what, if anything, and what role, if anything, that's where the consultant comes in. Yep. Erin was also interesting, too, because it talked about how the last sister, like, she didn't really do anything with the business, but she's the only one that went to college. And so it was just, like, interesting to see how she was just like, oh, well, yeah, I don't have any experience with the business, but, like, I I have a degree, so I think I could do it. And so, like, that's going to come out when she's like, okay, like, I've kind of taken more of a backseat, but now she's going to want to be like more involved in the decision process. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to read. I'm going to read off some names of businesses, and um, I want you to write down any of them that you think are family businesses. Okay, so here are some businesses: uh, Walmart. Yes. Write them down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a tab. No. Okay. Write, write these down. Which ones are Walmart, Hallmark Cards, Bacardi, 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 uh, Nordstrom, Anheuser Busch. Smuckers, Ikea, and last but not least, Hermes. 
or Hermes. Okay, which ones are family business? I'm going to say all of them. All of them, exactly. All of them are, yeah. Um, so, so we could add, yeah. So, so just some factoids. Um, in the U.S., um, 80% of all businesses in the U.S. are some kind of family business, whether it's mom and pop. Now, we, we talk about Ford. You know, it's, it's on the, you know, it's publicly traded. It's still a family business. The trust, uh, Ford Foundation still controls a lot of it. Um, 64%. of GDP is generated by these kinds of family businesses. Over 35,000 family businesses have annual revenues of more than 25 million. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a big deal. Family business is really a, um, a big deal. However, what do you think 90%? represents family businesses uh, fail bingo so there's a failure rate failure rate 90% won't make it to the fifth year of operation um, 12% make it to the third generation is that 12% of, like, the 10% who make it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the idea is that it's very big, but it's very problematic. There is something in the literature that is called founder's disease. Founder's disease. So what do you think that means? What is founder's disease? Isn't it when... Well, that's related to it because the founder has something to do with that. Yeah, back there. Founder's disease is when the uh, owner or founder of the business gets carried away with their ideas to the extent that the business becomes unsustainable. That's uh, more like it. Um, I mean, you've got part of it, but that's really the essence is that the founder doesn't want to let go. The founder has invested, you know, blood, sweat, and tears and won't delegate. And so maybe hands it off to the kid without the right kind of preparation. So the kid becomes one of these guys. So would you yeah. consider Jerry Jones someone that suffers from founder's disease? Yeah. <laughs> Jerry Jones, uh, the uh, uh, Cowboys? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, but but yeah, but is but are the cowboys still? They're profitable. Still working? 
I mean, yeah. uh, well, what's the worst game in 11 years? I mean, are they... <laughs> Who cares? Look at yeah. ticket sales and yeah. look, okay. look at yes. uniform sales. They're still, like, top five teams. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. like, a small microscopic example of that is him being GM. Yeah. yeah. Plenty of, yeah. plenty of qualified... Well, well, I'll give you an example of founder's disease. I think that, um, that that's really, really an interesting one. I think Steve Jobs had founder's disease at the first iteration because he had he insisted on so much control that um, when they did go public, finally, his board directors and shareholders felt that he was not, you know, the company was going to head, was going to auger in. And so they yanked him and put Scully in. And then that didn't work out. He came back and voila. So the idea in founder's disease is that the, um, the founder, and you can imagine the uh, kind of emotional investment that any founder would have in their own business. After all, you know, many of us who start businesses, we take out mortgages, we max out our credit cards, we eat ramen, you know, um, all that stuff. It's like grad school, right? So um, we start this business. We, we start. We start this business. It grows with our own you know, 20 hour days and now it's, it's growing and working. And are we going to um, hand over the keys to some bright 24 year old MBA from NAU? Um, maybe not, you know, they're going to, they're going to keep their, you know, their claws on the business and very often, that's what croaks the business, is that there is just too much need for control and uh, lack of delegation or willingness to bring in people that may know more than the founder. Yeah, Jeff. Do, um, do you think, I mean, you, you've owned a business, started your own business, so do you think that you have to have founder disease at the start? Because if you don't, you won't be fully. I mean, like, I know I watched my stepdad open up a business, and he was working 18, 20-hour yeah. days, not making any money for a year, mm-hmm. and then it finally worked. But yeah. if he wouldn't have had that insane like thought process in his head that this is going to work, yeah. he would have just left. Well, well I, I would make a distinction between founder's disease and um, uh, uh, ultimate control and... Uh, investment. So founder's disease is really when that that commitment kind of works against you. Okay. Um, so it's possible not to have it, you know, to be able to understand when it's time to bring in people and when to make some changes. So it's not, it's not that it's always necessary, but it is uh, very often what's been attributed to a business that, you know, fails or just plateaus. You know, there's a term in the VC world called the um, uh, walking dead or the zombie companies that are just kind of existing 
they're not growing, they're not dying, but founders' disease could also be a part of that, where, where some founders are afraid to get it too big because they know it may become more complicated than they are willing to um, manage, and yet they don't want to give, it, give up any control to somebody else, so they'd rather just keep it, keep it nice and easy. Some would call it a lifestyle business, which is not a bad thing, um, like the ski house, I imagine. Uh, there are lots of ski shops around the country that are one unit operated by two or three folks that love skiing. They're never going to get any bigger. They're very happy. It's a lifestyle kind of business, and there's, there's nothing wrong with it. So, yeah. So is the idea of founder disease that the founder's, like, so involved to the point where it chokes off potential, like, in either direction? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a form of control and myopia, you know, where you just can't see, you know, where things are going, you really are kind of um, focused internally. You know, what would, a, what would an MBA class be without a Venn diagram, right? So, um, so here we go. So there's the business, here's the family, and here's the management. Okay, so what this represents is kind of the forces and the systems within a family business. So to begin with, we have the business itself. It might be a batting cage, might be a ski house, something like that. It's a business. Then we have a family, some of whom are in the business, but they're not in the management of the business. So we have a lot of these kids, right, that felt like they belonged here. Then we have management, the people that operate the business. So obviously we got the management overlapping here. We have some family that is involved in the management of the business. And then we have some family that is involved in all three. So they have an interest in the, in the business, they participate in the management, and their family. So who would be out here? So looking at like people, who would represent people that are in the business that are not managers and they're not family? Would it be like employees, people Well, they might be here, but yeah, so we might just say employees. Who else might hang around out here? Competition. Uh, well, but but this is the business itself, so they're not in the business. What's the difference between the business circle and the management circle? Well, the business is, the, you know, the company, mm -hmm. and the this is the people who run the company. So the company is sort of independent can be looked at as independent of the management. So, so this would be... Kind of like a day-to-day? Yeah, so this might be investors. Right. See, so investors 
have an interest in the business, but they're not involved in the management. And the investors are not part of the family. So they operate in the business. We have management who are involved in the business, but they're not part of the family. But we do have family as part of the management and part of the business. Yep. What would be an example of management that's not involved with the business? Um, it might be, what, say that again? Like, at, just from what I'm thinking, if you're managing a business, you're part of the business? Right. So what would be an example of, like, independent management? What would be like a CPA who provides advice to the management but is not working in the business or operating the business? So okay. consulting? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Would board of directors also be considered in that, or would they be considered as part of the business? Uh, they would be directors who'd be up here. So, one of the problems in this case and in most family businesses is that how do we manage? these guys and these guys because these are family people that are either have a vested interest in the business but not in the management or they're part of the management of the business as well. So if you are a family member out here and you're not a part of the management, how do you view these people, bless you, that are family members that are part of the management of the company? What do you think the two perspectives are going to be? I think it really goes back to the relationship between the family. I mean, I think that the younger generation kind of believes that they want the family to be in charge of management because they've been doing it so far. And then all the people who are in the family circle that don't have any ties to business or management are just happy collecting a chat. Okay. So this person is in the family but not in the management. This person is in the family and part of the management. Should this person who's in the family but not active in the management have an equal uh, share of the business? Or could you make the case that this person should be getting more because they are devoting their life to helping manage the business? What do you think? I mean, definitely the latter. And it also depends on how, based upon the founder, like how, or, um, with the family, um, I guess how close, which family members are close to that founder? Because like, for a family business, like, let's say the founder, you know, of course, founds it, and like his, his sister um, and his close related family is probably gonna get a higher cut than the cousins and the second cousins mm -hmm. that has some sort of play, and then um, I think. 
person A is going to be, person B is kind of like a representative. Person B is going to be, should be compensated more um, based upon um, the work that they put in to manage the business. Um, but that person A is going to look to person B as someone who should like take care of the business responsibly um, and be seen as more of a leader or that person in charge of, of running the business. Okay, so, so let's just take a hypothetical. Um, let's just say that A, person A, is a 20% interest in the business. Should person B also have 20%? And let's say they're, they're in the same generation, same parents. Why, why would you give this person a haircut on 20%? Well, I feel like in management, you have kind of a lot more skin in the game. Like you, pro like you probably are, like you are investing your time in the company more time than person A. So they should have more than twenty percent. Yeah. I think they should have more than person A. I don't think they should be equal. Okay, but they're getting paid. Yeah. They're drawing a salary. Okay. This person is not drawing a salary. They're just, you know, shooting wildlife photos. What? <laughs> What do you think? That's what I was going to say. It also depends on how much you invested at the beginning, too. Person A could have invested more in person B. Well, we're, we're talking about generations down where there's um, no real, I mean, we're past yeah, the founder stage. Person B is still getting a salary. They're still working for the business. So you think that 20 is fair, that both these guys should get 20%? Uh, if first, I think it depends on the amount person B is making, like what person A is doing. Everything is going to depend on the. Yeah, but A, A is getting zero salary, and B is getting seventy-five k a year. Let's say. Oh, yep. Person A and B probably didn't have any say in how much they're getting. They're yeah. just getting it from yeah. someone else. Person B's going to be compensated with bonuses if the company's doing well and their salary. Mm-hmm. Which person A's not going to get. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you think the 2020 is fair because it was, like, given to them? It, yeah. Do you think it would... Uh, do you think the um, generation above A and B has a problem in attitude between A and B? I think there's going to be a equity issue between those two. My question, or my comment's not going to answer that, but what I was thinking is from the case specifically, you have the youngest daughter, she's definitely person A, but she has 20%, but then you have Heffa, who's running the business, and she has 20%. Mm -hmm. Like, they're okay with that split. Yeah. But also, when they were younger, they both worked in the business. Mm -hmm. So okay. I think it would be different if, like, say, the next generation, like, that's how it's split. Yeah. But yeah. the person A in the next generation never actually worked in the business, so maybe it should be mm -hmm. 20%. It should be less. Okay. Okay, so uh, three more, and then I'm going to ask you how to fix this. Yeah. It also has to, like, tie into the fact that, like, is it, like, entitlement? Like, or is, is person A just saying, like, oh, like, I am part of the family, I should have it, but I'm going to not try to, like, move up and take more of an active role than, like, management? Yeah. Well, I mean, A, she, won't, she was born with this. <laughs> you know, didn't, neither A or B had to earn their 20%. So this was just given to them. Back. 
Yeah. I think it's also just dependent on like company slash family values as well. Like I know like for my dad, for example, like we would be born with we'd be born with zero percent. That's mm -hmm. the kind of guy he is. And it's like right. if you want to make your money through this company that we built, like you're gonna earn it. So but my mom on the other hand would have been like, Oh, everybody gets one hundred percent of them work out, but you know, she's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and so I think like, I think this is like a question of like now, I think it's like it's just family values and how far it's been. And so I mean yeah. like twenty percent if that's how that family is, like yeah, it's fair that they both get twenty percent. Right. Because that's, you know, but I mean, my dad would be the total opposite. My dad, if yeah. you're over there at first, now you're getting dog shit, you know? Yeah. Well, and in this case, it's going to be hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube. You know, this is third generation going on. So one more, and then we're moving on. So, I, I mean, I think I've seen this, my aunt has a trust because she was when she was younger and dealing with my dad being the guardian of it. Mm -hmm. Her kids, seeing how this works and it plays out. Um, while you're just giving people money, family to family is always in bigger. And the best way to do it is just you get this present, and if you don't like it, give it back. Because mm -hmm. it's free money. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I think that person B, the other thing that's not up there that I think should be up there is the fact that person B has a 50% control, uh, stake in control of the company with where the company's going to go. So that makes their 20% more valuable because their 20% is being, they're the one dis determining which way the company's going to go, so they can either make more money or lose more money as well. Well, I mean, they just can't do that unilaterally, though. I mean, they're, they, they still... As a company, you need, you need one other percent to do whatever the hell you want. So where'd you get the 50%? Right out of the case. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, you're talking about a specific... Yeah, yeah. I'm okay, sorry. got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, all right. So let's... Um, Let's fix this. So without really knowing much more than what we got in the case, what would be some things that, that a consultant could recommend? And let's say that um, we have the luxury of starting more or less from scratch with a, with a family business, um, giving them advice on how to avoid these kinds of things, what, what would you be thinking about to mitigate some of these very normal, ra almost rational, I mean, they, they seem irrational, but they are human behavior. What could we do to mitigate some of these issues? And I mean, I think the second generation... Like all, it also felt like how like they're all working like as a kid and all that stuff, and, and like at a young age. But then like no, their kids did. It's like well, why did you have this? Like why did you have your kids more involved early on? It's like I know they're all in art school and they're bee preservers, but like you could have had them somewhat involved, you know, earlier on to 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 mitigate this this issue of none of the, none of the kids know what to do or want to do anything. And so it's like that's kind of that's on you though, you know. It's like right. as a parent, you're like, hey, I want you to come. Every weekend, work at the place, and you make money. Right. Also, it's one business. It's like they—they they may have done that. I didn't get that sense. You can make it more of the kids' choice of where they want to wind up by starting early, and if they opt out early, then they have created their own pathway that, and it has to be clearly. Communicated to them. Yeah. Would it be like pre-made trusts to say, hey, if you decide to actually take a part of this company, 
and one day you're senior management, you get 20%, but yeah. if you decide not to do be senior management, you don't get any. Yeah, so the other, the other, another thing would be to um, create a charter or some sort of roadmap. You know, obviously this needs to be done at the beginning when a founder is thinking about, you know, wanting to bring in family members into their business. So being able to identify um, what the family values are, how to navigate into a role in the family business. Yep. So one thing that I've seen, I mean, back to my family, that I saw that with my family and the way they handled it, is the three sons had their trust set up. And they had to sit down in a room and determine who got what based on what they did or everything was getting donated on their behalf to a charity. So it really put the ball in their court to realize, like, oh, we have to figure it out. So this was, was this on a regular basis? Well, it was with my, uh, it's, no, they've, got, they've gotten, like, two payouts from a trust, and then they have trust based on, like, what they've done. They had, like, stipulations, like, if you went to school, got a degree, whoever has a better job kind of stuff, just kind of set themselves up for life out of it. One important thing is a lot of families have a criteria that before a family member can come into the family business, they have to work outside of the family business and succeed in some measurable way in that outside business. So the Smucker, a name, um, Mark Smucker was a student of mine. Um, Smucker's, oh, really? you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he, he had to work five years at Citibank, and he had to earn a certain level of promotion at Citibank before he could come into the business. Why is that important? Why, why would it be important for a family member to get a job outside the business, have some demonstrable success, and then that's the pathway into the business. We'll start over here. I would think, because one of the things you talked about earlier was like, problems with family and family business. When you, if you work outside, you don't have those issues, and you kind of learn how a regular business works. Mm hmm Okay. So then when you go into the family business, you're like, oh, I know, you know, you're my brother or whatever. Right. Okay. Okay. What? I know, like, also, like, for the Smucker guy, like, when he goes to the city bank, it, he doesn't have quite necessarily that job security. He doesn't have that. I'm not saying the family business is always, like, you know, job secure, but you might have more job security if any business than you do the company that you don't know anybody. And, I mean, I'm sure you get perks of any business that you don't get. And so, like, you learn, A, how to work mm -hmm. in, like, the bare bones of an of a mm -hmm. organization. Uh, but also, it's like this you learn a different uh, system, and so when you do come to Smuckers, you're going to have uh, maybe new ideas or uh, new ways of doing things, um, just kind of a different perspective on things. I think it's very important. Um, and yeah, so like to prove that you can A, keep a job and then also bring some new ideas. You have outsider perspective. What else? What else? You get to prove your worth. Bingo. Yes. If you're outside of the family business and you don't do well, oh well. But if you're inside the family business and you don't do well, 
It doesn't look like you're going to get fired. Right. So by being successful on the outside, when you do come into the business, the non-family members that are working there are going to take you much more seriously, give you much more credibility than if you just woke up one morning and were a vice president after, you know, four years of undergrad. So working outside and succeeding is a good litmus test, a good credibility maker um, that helps put the family member into a better role, a better opportunity to succeed within their business. Um, some other things would be mentorship inside the family business. Now, mentorship in the form of both older family members, but also non-family members, working to get the perspective of both inside and outside. Yes? Would that be before they came into the business? Or no, it would be after they did their five years and they entered the family business. They have a mentorship relationship with a senior executive and a senior family member. Um, <clears throat> Let me just wrap up with just some uh, overall kinds of pros and cons to a family business. So if you were advising a family business and um, you were trying to think of ways to position them in the marketplace, let's say, as a credible company, what would be some of the pros some of the pros of a family business why why does a family business matter if you are positioning that against you know more traditional complex type, types of organizations hold up so what are what are the pros well, I mean, I think of one thing that I think of Walmart. They they have their family business, and they know exactly what the family's going to do and how they're going to do it. There's really not a lot of bickering about where the what the vision of the firm is or where it's going to go. They have kind of a set direction, and that's where they're going. Okay, I I let me just make that that there's a high level of efficiency. Yeah, sure. And um, that can be converted into vision. You know, strategy, and so on. So, a family business is just generally more more nimble because just think about it. And this is also a negative. Every dinner is a board meeting. You know, every dinner you can discuss something and enact it the next day. If you know, at an extreme. What else? What else is the good stuff? Yep. You know who you're working with. Okay, so you, yeah, you, you, you have trust, familiarity. Um, certain amount of loyalty that 
you assume? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's. If you want to read a horror story about a family business, uh, look up the U-Haul family in Phoenix, the Showens, S-H-O-E-N. Um, brothers, I mean, there was there was some really bad, bad stuff, including violence and uh, just yeah, terrible. So, so the showing, the showings. Yeah. I, I worked for a company in high school, landscape company. It was a family business that wasn't my family, but I was working for them. That totally, like, family doesn't even speak to each other. Right, right. They didn't even speak. Right. And it's like, so like that is a con right there is you could, like... Who's your family? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I would also say especially at the beginning stages of a family business, you reduce your labor cost. You know, your kids are doing stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know they're going to show up, and so on. Um, family disputes become. I mean, and I, I'm. I have two cousins that don't don't speak to each other um, over a company family business and what happened to it after it had been sold. Very very difficult. Yep. What's, um, if you're not inside the family, it's very difficult to move up and like have ideas and stuff. Okay, so um, so parti participating might be kind of um, passive. Uh, what else? What else is a my, a negative? Corruption and more inexperience. Okay. Um, Help me with the corruption part. Corruption, I mean, you are more likely to be corrupt and to do anything and willing to do anything to make that business be successful, to last, you know? Okay, like, so... Someone brought up, like, yeah, you might have lower labor costs, but you're also paying that person under the table more likely, which isn't necessarily ethical. So there might be some negative incentives. Um, one more, and then we'll, we'll plow out of here. Yeah. Maybe if you have, like, I mean, I can imagine one of my brothers I started this and then and I had more expertise in the business wise than what he didn't. Mm -hmm. Like, there's the issue there. the expertise of the Okay, so um, the cons are the um, perceived inequities. Okay. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's call that a wrap. Everybody have a good, safe holiday. Thank you.